Andy, can you believe we've almost hit 700 episodes of The Next Reel? I know, it's crazy. And with all the other episodes in our family of podcasts, we are well over 1,200 episodes of movie conversation. It's really pretty amazing that we've gotten to have these in-depth movie chats every week for over a decade now. And we couldn't have done it without our loyal community of film fans. Their support over the years has meant so much. For sure. That reminds me, we should give the merch store a shout out. Buying shirts from thenextreel.com slash merch is a great way listeners can continue to support the show. Plus, they get to sport our great designs. Absolutely. I think sometimes folks forget we have a variety of shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more available. In fact, a great place to start is with a shirt sporting the Next Reel's logo. We also have that classic Fast Times Spicoli Surf School tee, or the weirdly popular Rusty's European Tour shirt. The one from National Foods European Vacation. Why is that so popular? <laughs> Search me, but we have sold a ridiculous number of those. I guess there are a lot of Rusties taking trips to Europe? We're always adding new designs based on movies we've covered, like our brand new design for a streetcar named Desire, featuring a streetcar named Desire. So if you want to rep your love of TNR and films, head to thenextreel.com slash merch. Every purchase helps us continue to have these weekly in-depth conversations. So visit thenextreel.com slash merch today. And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of the Next Real community. We've got lots more great movie chats coming your way. It is hard to believe we have been having in-depth conversations about movies since 2011. You are telling me. Producing this show week after week requires a ton of work behind the scenes. If you'd like to help support our efforts, one easy way is by using our Originals page when shopping for books and movies that we've covered. Just visit thenextreel.com slash originals. Your purchases made through our links give us a small commission at no extra cost to you and allow us to keep having these great discussions. Season 5 had some great adaptations, like our Meryl Streep Oscar-nominated performances series. We covered adaptations like Kramer vs. Kramer, Sophie's Choice, and The French Lieutenant's Woman. It's a real Sophie's Choice between those books. <laughs> you see what, I, see what I did there? Uh, yeah. Uh, and I don't think it's quite at the level of a real Sophie's Choice. We also did Snowpiercer for our Bong Joon-ho series, adapted from the French graphic novel Le Transpersonnage. Man, I love that movie. We had our two-part 1939 series that included adaptations like Gone with the Wind, Ninochka, The Women, and The Hound of the Baskervilles. A number of those 1939 movies, like Goodbye, Mr. Chips, also tied into our recent 1940 Academy Award Best Picture nominee series. Our naughty children horror series had creepy adaptations like The Bad Seed, Village of the Damned, The Innocents, and Children of the Corn. For our Hayao Miyazaki series, we talked about his take on Lupin III with the Castle of Cagliostro, plus his own The Wind Rises. Some great listener choice picks too, Viridiana and The Great Escape. And for our David Mamet Wrights series, The Verdict, The Untouchables, and Glengarry Glen Ross. Plus, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang from our Shane Black series adapted from Brett Halliday's novel, Bodies Are Where You Find Them. Dive into the sources for all of these at thenextreel.com slash originals. Every book you buy helps support the show. Check out thenextreel.com slash originals today and find your next read. I'm Pete Wright. And I'm Andy Nelson. Welcome to The Next Reel. When the movie ends... Our conversation begins. In just a matter of seconds, you're going to hear a classic episode of this show from back in the day when we called ourselves Movies We Like. It took us a while to settle into the show's format, 
So you'll notice some differences as you listen to these episodes. For instance, it takes us a bit of time to actually get into the conversation about the movie. Things like that. But we're still proud of the conversations about the movies themselves, and we think they're worth keeping in the library. So enjoy these episodes from our back catalog. And you can become part of our Discord community, learn more about the show, and find out how you can become a supporting member at thenextreel.com. So thank you, everybody, for downloading and listening to The Next Reel. We appreciate your time and attention, and we hope you enjoy the show. I Pete? Saw, I saw uh, a Kung Fu Panda 3 today. I hadn't yet. You've seen it. No, it's been out for like weeks. I know. I'm I, just bite me, right? <laughs> I'm just saying it took me a little while to get the kids and be able to go see. I don't see that by myself, that movie. I have to take excuses. And my excuses <laughs> weren't available until today. Yes, you do. Jeez. Sometimes it's better to bring your excuses with you for films. This was uh I was I was looking forward to uh to a not good film. And we had a really good time. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, it was fun, super fun. I don't think either of them have lived up to the first film, but it was still fun. Yeah, yeah, you know, still super fun. Yeah, yeah. It, it wasn't terrible. And it was jam-packed. The theater was full. We sat in the third row. Third well, row. you know, this President's Day holiday. <laughs> they sh- it's, a, it's a national cinema day. I, I think that's what they should start calling it. Everybody goes to the movies, to the picture shows. Except for me. Because you were making them. You were making movies today. You feeling working. good? I'm exhausted. No, so not good. Yeah. You but know. you know what I did see? Tell me. And That kept me from not being exhausted. Hmm. Deadpool. <sighs> Hello, yes. I contributed to its incredible uh, opening weekend. Okay, what did you think? It was me that helped get Push it across it over. that if there was If there was a top <laughs> to be pushed over, you're the guy who made that happen. It was me. What'd you think? It was me. I had a great time. You did? I had a lot of fun. Got some stinky, I, stinky reviews. You know, it was just fun. It was just pure enjoyment. I had a blast. Ryan Reynolds was clearly having a blast making it. Did, you, people wear, did you wear the brown pants? <laughs> I didn't need to wear the brown pants. I would wear the brown pants. I, I did wear the uh, judgmental uh, judgmental pants because there were people who brought young children to it, and I silently judged them the oh, whole time. Oh, yeah. <coughs> I, felt un- I felt uncomfortable for their children uh, in some of the scenes. Well, that's like me taking my daughter to Kingsman. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> so... There will be no stones cast from me, but I, I do see your point. Yes. I, yeah. It was just like, I was like, oh, this is a like a six-year-old child sitting right in front of me, and I'm watching a stripper scene. I feel awful. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks for that, fella. <laughs> Parents. Well, I'm glad it did well. I did not. Uh, I haven't seen it yet, which is so bad because I'm really, really looking forward to it. But how uh, I had finals to grade this weekend, and it was just bananas. Well, uh, I've got to say, stay after the credits. Oh, okay. It's it's one of those where it actually doesn't matter if you really see it or not. But for people of our generation, it really, it really worked. All right. <laughs> it's not Howard the Duck again, right? It's not Howard the Duck. All right. 
Uh, I I introduced uh, just last night. I introduced my my children. Well, one of my children to my favorite X Men movie. Oh. <laughs> you know which one that is, right? Let me guess. Your favorite X Men movie yeah. Yeah. must be Wolverine. What? No. Is it the Wolverine? No. Why would you do that? No. <laughs> well, I don't know that many X Men movies. Just X Men. No, it is not just X two. X two. That is the best one. Had you shown them any of the others, or you just started with X2? I'm judging. I sense some judgment. I sense some judgment. I'm feeling like this is not a safe space. I will tell you, they have already seen X-Men 1. Actually, my daughter has seen most of them, uh, only due to timing has she not seen all of them yet. But my son had never seen X2, and so we watched X2. And it's one of those great moments that I just, I really enjoy that movie so, so very much. And uh, so did he. So that was a real treat. I'm savoring these. Like, I have this list of movies that I just can't wait to put on and then stare at him while he's staring at the screen. One of the best parts of Deadpool Mm -hmm. is the meta nature of it. Yeah. And at one point, Deadpool, when he's talking to, I think, Colossus, who wants to take him to Xavier's school, says, is that McAvoy or uh, Stewart? (laughs) (laughs) That's really good. It was great. That's really good. I can see that working. It worked on a lot of great levels. That was just constant fun uh, well I've gotten I've gotten a number of emails that uh, uh, we just got an email from a, fr- a friend of the show and colleague artist Joel Micah Harris wrote in at, and said hey go see Deadpool that he saw it and he liked it and I actually he's a purist and so I, I'm surprised that he wrote in with a favorable review uh, but uh, so he did so I'm that's it now you and Joel and others I have to go see it of course You'd need to, yes. Yeah, no, no doubt. Because um, I'm spoiling it for you next week if you haven't seen it. You are. Oh, okay. Gauntlet yeah. has been thrown. That's right. Uh, we have. Uh, do we have any uh, follow up? Do we have some follow up we need to share? We got an email. Yes. We got. A, speaking of email, oh, checking in from the frontier. Oh yeah. Good old Matthew Madrano. We'd missed him. We he, had. he went silent for so long. We had, and it turns out that he was uh, motivated to kick it into high gear with his screenplay. So that's exciting. Congratulations, Matthew. Keep it up. We know you can do it. I'm so glad to hear uh, that you have you've gotten back on the on the back in the saddle, as they say, as they say, on the frontier, and are, are still plugging away. We want to keep up with the updates. We love hearing you. Absolutely, you do we it. do care. And uh, I think that's. Is there anything else? Or are we ready to tell the people where we're from? Where are we from, Pete? This is the next reel on Rashpixel.fm, everybody. I'm Pete Wright, and that over there is Andy Nelson. Hey, hey, hey. And we spoil movies. Tonight on the show, the third in our series on great films and their remakes with Andrew Lau's Hong Kong gang thriller, Infernal Affairs. Before we get into that, you should learn more about us at thenextreel.com. Subscribe to the show on iTunes or follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Next Reel. And if you think one of the most comfy places to sack out is your shrink's office, it sounds like you need a prescription for The Next Reel's Instagram hashtag PonyPrize hashtag GuessTheMovieChallenge. And with that, let's join Stephen Smart, who it turns out has infiltrated our gang, but is really an undercover Scottish policeman. 
to find out who won. Hey guys, last week we stepped back to the 50s uh, with Western Johnny Guitar from 1954, directed by Nicholas Ray and starring a magnificent Joan Crawford. Congrats to at Cotton Science who guessed it on Image 2. You're entered into the 2016 Pony Prize hat. As always, a new challenge starts on Monday. So thanks, guys, and see you later. We got a little follow-up from front of the show, Ben Lott with the Blot Spot. Yes, Ben writes in and says, You guys hit all the points I would make about Outland. I enjoyed it, even though it was more fun than High Noon. I liked the look of the base, and I understood the logic of how the place was set up. The final showdown was a bit anticlimactic in points because I didn't feel the risk that Sean Connery was facing. He seemed very in control of the situation. Reflecting on it now, I'm also annoyed because by leaving, the corporation will just start its drug trade all over. Still, the film was fun, and I would watch it again. Your rank 135, my rank 130. Because Ben Lott is law-abiding. That's the important takeaway here. I love that that's... Of course, they're just going to do it again. Send another Connery. That's I, the, uh, didn't we learn that in Alien 1, 2, 3, and 4? <laughs> the corporation just keeps corporation on coming. always wins. Yes. always wins. The big uh, short, too. All of this. Uh, it just proves. You true. can't fight the corporation. You can't fight the corporation. Uh, I also... Look, final, show, final showdown, anticlimactic, because why, Andy? Boxing in spacesuits is dumb. <laughs> it's just still dumb just dumb still we're pretty close on that rank feels good yes intent I, I think it's time let's do trailers so my trailer beat yes it's called criminal mm-hmm it's it's, got, it sounds uh, like a spoiler of a title <laughs> it does. It does. It's got uh, it's got a slew of actors who have been in uh, superhero movies, but it's not a superhero movie. No one is super in this movie. Not a single one. I don't know. <laughs> there's some there's some funky sci fi sort of implant stuff going on here. Memory implant. It's like is it kind of a Blade Runnery sort of thing? What's going on here? You got uh, Kevin Costner. Your favorite, mm-hmm. who gets uh, who gets Ryan Reynolds implanted in his head? Hasn't Ryan Reynolds done this before recently? Yeah, this, he was just he was <laughs> just in the movie that did this. He was with uh, with uh, Gandhi. Yeah, with Gandhi. He straight. It's a totally different movie. <laughs> Ryan Reynolds switch places with Gandhi. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but this one, yeah. So Kevin Costner, who is a criminal, he's a bad criminal. And uh, we we clearly think that he's just a terrible, terrible person at the level, it seems, of a superhero, but not quite. Or supervillain, I mm-hmm. really should say. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Ryan Reynolds is so good that it teaches Kevin Costner to be good. And he helps the good guys, it seems, while falling in love with Ryan Reynolds' uh, uh, widow. Because this is Ryan Reynolds' karma film. He had to balance, balance <laughs> the universe. It's year. something. It's something. But yeah, it's got... Uh, Kevin Costner, it's got uh, Gal Gadot. Wonder Woman. She pops yeah. up as the love interest. It's got uh, good old Commissioner Gordon himself. Yep. Yeah. We like him. Yeah, the commission. And and uh, Tommy Lee Jones. Uh, a little fugitive. Yeah, it's, it's kind of a bit of everything. I don't really know what to say about this film. I, I guess it piques my curiosity. It's one of those... 
Uh, I don't know. It looks kind of like a sci-fi criminal thriller, but the trailer kind of makes it seem like it's more of a drama. I really don't know how to read it. I think that it could be just a big old mess. I think it could actually be something I enjoy quite a bit. I, I don't know. I'm curious to see how this one plays out. I won't say right now that I'm committing to seeing it, but I am saying that I'm committed to being interested in it. Well, <laughs> How's that work? <laughs> aren't you a promise ring? <laughs> uh, yes, put me on <laughs> your finger beat. <laughs> I, uh, you know, I'm with you. I'm puzzled by it. I think I was really interested when it was, you know, uh, sci-fi fugitive face-off. And then when it became ghost, I got a little bit, of, <laughs> a little bit less interested. It got a meh. Uh, <laughs> right, but I'm, just uh, waiting for them to yeah. make some pottery together. Yeah, I was waiting for pottery. Yeah, I, I, I stuck your husband in my head. Was it was just you know I, a little too much beaches, <laughs> uh, and so I needed to. Uh, I, don't, I don't know that I was. Uh, I, I don't know what to say about that. But there were enough explosions and missiles and things that that I I feel like I'd be willing to to give this one a shot. Uh, uh you know what are you gonna do? It's out there. I might as well might as well see it. <laughs> Might as well. It looks kind of interesting. So I'm curious to see how this one plays out. I'm curious to see if they release another trailer that takes away some of the uh, dramatic tone to it and gives me a little bit more of the action thriller. Yeah. Uh, because I feel like it could use a little bit of, that, bit of that. I think Michael Pitt's in it playing maybe the baddie, but it's kind of hard to tell because there's so much time pining for uh, pining for lost loves. Yeah, that's the it's all that's always the problem. That's always the problem when you pine mm. for the lost loves. Just it screws is, it is. everything up. Uh Ariel Vroman is uh, directing it. He recently did The Iceman, which I didn't see, but it looked like an interesting one. Did you end up seeing that one with uh Michael Shannon playing the hitman? I did not. I did not. This was uh Franco was in this and Leota and Chris Evans. I didn't see this. I should have. No. I Which didn't one see are you it. talking about? Oh, yeah, it was Chris Evans and Ray Liotta and Winona Ryder, Michael yeah. Shannon, yeah. So, you know, this, uh, I, I don't know much about Ariel, but I thought the Iceman looked really interesting. This one piques my curiosity, so it's kind of on that level. I, I, I say it looks interesting. I kind of want to see it. I'll kind of, uh, the, the jury's out if I'm going to or not. Um, it ends up coming out April 15th, so just in time for taxes. Excellent. I'll be first in line. <laughs> Uh, my trailer, oh, Andy. Oh, dear. You know, every 15, 20 years or so, the old Sutherland boys need to get back together, this uh, Donald and Kiefer. And uh, this time they're going west. Going west with Forsaken. Forsaken. Uh, Forsaken. So we've got uh, Kiefer and Don. Uh, it is, a, a, according to IMDb, a brooding western about an embittered gunslinger who attempts to make amends with his estranged father whilst their community is besieged by ruthless land grabbers. So it's actually a modestly fictionalized rendition of the Sutherland uh, home. Uh, it is. Uh, it looks really <laughs> fun to me. I think it's. I think it's going to be. Uh, it, it. It. It could. It could be kind of a, a, a Deadwoody uh, kind of a vibe to it. I feel like they're. It, it's it, Kiefer Sutherland. This to me is ever since Young Guns. This has been an environment and a setting that I have really liked him in. And uh, I, I. I. It's either that or CTU. Like, that's pretty much it. Oh, and I also liked it when he killed all of his med school uh, friends. 
in that uh, that movie. Remember that one where they they died and kept bringing each other back? I oh, yeah. Him. I liked him in that, too. But anyway, uh, I think this looks really good. Everybody else in it is fantastic. So I, you, I've, I'm already on the record. I love Kiefer and Don. Demi Moore is in this one. She looks like a grown-up. Like she is a grown-up. For real. No, but she hasn't really looked like a grown-up as long as she's been. This this one, she looks like a, 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 a grown-up. Uh, Brian Cox is in this film. Uh, we, we love the Brian Cox. Michael Wincott is in this film. You know... Michael Wincott. Alien Resurrection, baby. Yes, you do. Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Am oh, I right? Yeah. Oh. The Crow? Yeah, I, uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm up on uh, Michael Wincott. So there are lots of really great people. It looks like in this movie, this could be one of those films that is really fun to watch. So I am, this, this could be a fun one. I don't know. Did it light you up at all? Uh, no. Not at all? No, it just looked bad it does I'm not sorry. You are it wrong. just looked so bad no you're wrong i didn't even say this is the reason one of the reasons i'm excited about this is because john kassar is the uh, uh is uh, direct he's done a lot of um 24, 24. Uh-huh. and so and because of my um uh, my love of 24 i'm uh, i give this one a pass I'm, I'm i'm blinded uh perhaps to it a little bit well, he certainly has his experience both directing and producing that show. Mm-hmm. So it's not like he's stepping into this blind. No. Um, I don't know. Just the story itself just didn't intrigue me. It just didn't have the the pieces to make it click, I didn't think. So I'm curious to see how this one does, but I kind of am expecting it to be a straight-to-video sort of thing. It's not going to be a straight-to-video. It's got It's got the Sutherlands. It's going to yeah. get a theatrical release. Absolutely, it will. In, uh, in fact, that will be February 19th, 2016. Excellent. Why, why you got to hate? No, I just it didn't. Uh, it's like, oh, wow, okay. I, I'm not crazy about your response. <laughs> I'm sorry. I not, can't wait to see it. Not feel, February well, now 19th? It feels, now it feels forced. February 19th is going to be tomorrow. Mm-hmm. The day after this show goes live. That's right. It's and I'm going to be there, Pete. Up. You're, I happen to know that you won't. Because of <laughs> all the because... whining about how busy you are. Yeah, I'm so busy. I can't go see you for Sutherland movies. <sighs> That's true. Andy. Sorry, Kiefer. What, yes, Pete. What thousands must die so that Caesar may become the great? Ten years ago. Two friends became the best cadets on the force. One went undercover to infiltrate the mob. The other is a highly respected officer, but his true loyalty belongs to the crime lord. Now, they're both out to uncover the traitor among them. They know he's dangerous. They know he's deadly. What they don't know is that they're hunting for each other. Infernal affairs, Andy. Infernal. Now, that may sound strange to you, but as every site describing this film will attest, (laughs) including Wikipedia, that's actually wordplay. Infernal. It's wordplay combining the law enforcement term internal affairs with the adjective infernal. Right. Because of 
hell. Because of wordplay, that is that is a thing that didn't need to be explained. Do you think about this movie, Infernal Affairs? Do you think we needed to be explained? No. Well, I do appreciate the actual translation to the real title. The Unceasing Path. Yeah, which I had no idea what all of that meant. Mm. Uh, A reference to Avicii, the lowest level of hell in Buddhism, where one endures suffering incessantly. That I also appreciated. But the wordplay description that could have, that could have, I could have done without. Not the only place that I discovered that. Wikipedia. Crazy. Well, there are a lot of people who don't get things, Pete. (laughs) They shouldn't watch movies. (laughs) Those people. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Infernal Affairs came out in 2002. This is a, uh, it's the story of uh, uh, two people. Uh, one is a criminal. He is embedded in the police. He is, a, he is an, a rising star in the Hong Kong police. And the other is an undercover police officer who is embedded in the gang. And these two embeds are in a race to determine the identity of the traitors on their opposite sides. And so that is, that's pretty much the setup. Uh, and I, uh, I think I had not seen it. You had not seen it. I'm going to chalk this up as a pleasant surprise. Am I right? I like that you call them embeds. Did you? Well, if, that's kind of a modern It's like term. empaths. Yeah. <laughs> they're empaths. No, they're embeds. It's an embed. You don't say that's moles anymore. Thing. You don't call them you... moles. They're embeds. <laughs> it's a real thing. It's the. Politically... Is it really? Yes. That's what. Well, it comes from. It comes from journalism, right? If you're, if you, it, it, it is a modern term. Since we started embedding journalists on the front lines with with military units, they call they're called embeds for short. Whiskey Tango Foxtrot. She's an embed. That's crazy. It's well, it's not that crazy. No, it's I didn't know it, so therefore it's crazy. <laughs> it's uh it <laughs> I'm gonna add I'm gonna update Wikipedia. So then the question is, are journalists moles? <laughs> <laughs> or are we just calling them embeds? <laughs> <laughs> you have a, you have a good point. I could probably be called on my use of the term in that context alone because journalists <laughs> hopefully are not generally playing the other side. When they come home. I sent it to the Washington Post, but I also sent it to the Chronicle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you get my point. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they, all wear, they all wear long trench coats. And when they open them up, all you see are just front page of newspapers all pinned. In- <laughs> Psst. Hey, buddy, you need a story? <laughs> Yeah. Can we get back to this movie, please? Yeah, what path did we go did down? You, this is a, it's a gang thriller about finding your own inner unicorn, your special flower. It is uh, good versus bad. It's the story of why do we even have sides? We're all interchangeable anyway. Did you like this movie? Yes. Good. Finally. <laughs> I wish you would just come out and say this stuff. I had to get this embed thing Pulling off my chest. Pulling teeth. <laughs> I definitely like this. I mean, I, I love The Departed. I think that is such a great film, and I hadn't seen this before. So it was great to kind of go back to the original and check it out and see uh, how the story was told from, uh, I guess you can say across the pond. It's just going the other way. It's across the other pond. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I had a lot of fun. I love the speed. I mean, this one, I you know, The Departed definitely is a longer film. They really take time to develop a lot more character threads. 
and uh, and just kind of do a lot more with the story. And I definitely appreciate that. I think I still may like it more. I'll be curious to see how it plays out on a viewing right after this one. But there's something about the speed at which this one is told and the way that it moves and some of the confrontations. It really had kind of a Hong Kong vibe going through it. And I really liked it. You know, it's funny. It, it had a Hong Kong vibe to it, but not the Hong Kong vibe I expected. You know, I mean, when you look at the cover, when you look at the, the promotional material, um, it, you half expect it to to end up being more of sort of a, a Jackie Chan, kind of early Jackie Chan uh, before he smiled all the time, you know, um, and th- it it's not a there it's not a martial arts film. It's not a it's it's not strictly that kind of an action movie. It is it's very much a thriller. It is very much uh, it, uh, it's much more cerebral, much more subdued. I think it asks much bigger questions than I expected of it, um, and, um, and and I think there's a lot more going for it. I I, I agree with you. I mean, I think ultimately, I think I, I appreciate the Departed more. I I'm also interested in. In kind of how that's going to hit me after seeing this one, but wow, the purity of this story—the way it just sort of, it just drives straight home uh, from beginning to end. Uh, you are you are in it with these two guys, and these two guys sell their respective roles perfectly. In my book, yeah, I I think they both do such a great job. And I, I agree. I, I liked that this one really focused on just these two guys. We didn't get nearly as much of the guys they work with. We didn't get nearly as much of the women in their lives. It really was a story about these two guys and just kind of the the battle they felt or, or they fought trying to deal with the life as a mole for a really long time. The title, The Unceasing Path, this kind of level of hell where you just suffer forever it really fits kind of the uh, the story from that angle as you watch these two guys really having to lead these double lives almost in a permanent uh, state where I mean it's been well over ten years and it's 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 just rough and and you get to see that and I love the way that they just played it. The uh, writers Felix Chong and Alan Mack, uh, their uh, English names, they. Uh, are one of the things that I think is really interesting about these guys is that they are they are both um, writers, directors, and actors, uh, and and I think that is a that's much more of an Asian cinema vibe, right? You have these it's these smaller, generally small teams come together, um, make a movie lower budget, and just get it out, and and I think they end up having to be really. Um, generalists in terms of their roles. Um, but when you look at the script, it feels like it was written by uh, people who understand what they're working with in terms of the raw material of these guys, because this this is not a story that is told through, uh, through lines on the page. Uh, it is told very much through the the faces and the movements of these two central characters, and I think it was the script for me was structured in such a way, not just in terms of pacing, but it was structured in such a way that it really showcased the the raw material of these incredible actors on screen. Um, am I missing anything there? No, I think that uh, that says sums it up pretty nicely. I I mean it's uh, it's interesting. I I like uh, I think one of the strengths of the Scorsese. I mean, I like I said, I really do like that this really focuses on these two guys. Um, I do like the uh, the the stronger female character in The Departed. I think there's a, a great 
um, strength to having that character and how she's kind of tied interconnected between the two, uh, these two guys. That's a, a nice twist in that film. This one, if there's any issue I have, it's that the women characters just feel so flimsy. Well, I was going to say that's a that's almost a separate topic because it's it's not just that they're flimsy; it's that you get so used to seeing that there are no women in screen that they've just completely they've completely decided there are going to be no useful women in this movie. There are no useful roles for women in this movie. They're not going to be functional characters. That when you do see them, it is jarring. Right when they when he has the moment on on the bed where his his wife is writing, uh, her trying to end the story about how do you end a story when you don't know the character motive or, you know the character's good or bad that that whole sequence is like why am I even looking at that who is that person do I need to care about her she's just and then she's gone. Well, and part of that I I think you know that element of the script that subtext playing in that was pretty on the nose stuff. It was. It was right. done in such a way that I was like, oh, geez, could that be any more obvious? So now you know? you've introduced a character, a useless character, delivering something that was super obvious, again, deflating the utility of the character. Yes. Especially because the film already, I think the script already did a fine job of laying out the, the uh, you know, the underlying sort of morality mechanics of the story. I don't think we were missing anything there. That's, you know, a, a hunch I have why they eliminated that uh, girlfriend character from the story, and they had them both involved with the psychiatrist, because her character was more interesting. There was more of utility for her in the story, even if it wasn't done as well as it should have been. And then I will say the third woman in the story, it just perplexed me. I really couldn't figure out what they were trying to do with her, and this is... Uh, speaking of the different women, we had um, Sammy Cheng as Lau's girlfriend. We had Kelly Chen as the as the therapist, the psychiatrist, and then we had Elva Xiao come in as May Chan's ex girlfriend, who we meet. And the, this was on the street, right? Where she on the street, see right? Her and her he daughter, come, right? He comes across her, and they meet. And there's this. Uh, she has this child, and there's this uh, introduction to this child and this conversation about how uh, how old is the child and, and when they broke up. And there's almost this allusion to the fact that, because hmm, doesn't somebody say, oh, isn't your child so how old or whatever? And I can't remember exactly what it is, but it just, it was like, are they trying to hint at the fact that this child was his and she didn't want to tell him? Exactly. Like, that was like, totally yeah, what is puzzling. Yeah, it was a really puzzling element to the story. And I'm like, what were they trying to say here? And it never pays off. So that was something that I was just like, I wish I, I wish there was a more understanding of that. And, you know, eh, yeah, it is it, what it is. It felt like it felt like a remnant, you know? It felt like a scene that they forgot to cut because that there was something that would have made it more material uh, in a, an earlier edit. And they forgot to cut this one. That's I couldn't help. But think that as we wrapped up the film. Right. Yeah. Um, the direction, uh, Andrew Lau and uh, Alan Mack uh, as co-directors. Andrew um, Lau, not the Andy, Andy Lau. Lau. No, actor. two different Lau. And not Lau, the character that Andy Lau was playing, being directed right. by Andrew <laughs> Lau. All That's three, a lot of Lau. Three different Laus. Woo! Uh, no, Andrew Lau uh, as the director. And um, uh, wh- what do you think about uh, old uh, Andrew Lau, uh, Wai Kung Lau? 
You know, he is uh, a, I mean, you look at his uh, filmography, he is uh, a cinematographer, director, producer, actor. Uh, He's kind of been a little bit of everything. I mean, he's all over the place. Most of his credits, interestingly, are as a cinematographer, which he did not, uh, no, he did do the cinematography here. And, um, you know, I thought the direction was nice. I I thought the camera work was nice. I know they brought uh, Christopher Doyle in to kind of uh, be kind of a visual consultant, um, whatever that means. Um, But I think that they found a nice look for it. And they had some of the stuff that I was kind of expecting from Hong Kong cinema, like, you know, the standoffs and then the way the camera would move around a standoff, stuff like that. Um, You know, I I liked the, the overall way the story played. And like I said, I really liked the speed. I, I think that there's something about the pace that I think that uh, Andrew Lau found in the storytelling for this that uh, that worked. One of the things I like so much about it is the incredible variety of, of styles uh, showcased in this single film. I mean, it moves from, I, I'm thinking specifically of the sequence in the movie theater, right? I mean, we move from uh, these, these uh, all of the moles are in a darkened theater, right? They're having a meeting, one mole's following another mole, and they're, they're wandering up and down this, uh, uh, this long kind of mall uh, in, in and out of the theater. And uh, what I expect from that sequence is a very sort of mechanical, um, like clean, uh, intense, quick edit, quick shooting, moving camera. Um, you know, that's what I want. I want the alley chase, right, that I'm so used to getting from some of these, uh, the, the compressed Hong Kong cinema. And what I end up getting is that. Uh, but I also get these beautiful kind of in and out soft focus transitions. I get I move straight into this uh, a, a character's camera, right? So this this becomes less of a chase sequence than it becomes a really intimate kind of um, uh, survey of who these these men are as the phones ring and we're watching them, uh, studying them on on their uh, on their phones and and uh, watching one waiting for the other. I just think that the the use of styles and the way he ends up moving in and out of the of the film. And, and shaking focus a little bit ends up making it a much more interesting and kind of vibrant um, uh, sort of survey of, of what he can do with the camera. I really liked it. Well, and I think that some of that comes uh, from Alan Mack, who, you know, one of the co-writers and co-director, uh, you know, just having a good sense of how to tell the story, playing with the conventions that we were used to with Hong Kong, like, you know, the alley chase and all that, like what you're expecting there, but then also turning that into a kind of, you know, something on its head where you've got the phone ringing and then you've got this kind of weird confrontation between the two, which which isn't really a confrontation as they as they kind of uh, one disappears and the other tries to tra- track him down. I enjoyed the way they played with some of that. It was um, it, it made for a fun film with some unexpected moments. Okay, so we've mentioned a couple of times these guys. Uh, these guys are uh, Andy Lau and Tony Lung, Lung uh, playing the characters of Lau Qin Ming and Chan Wing Yan. I am butchering that. I'm sure these are the moles. I know you. Uh, you're a big. You're a big fan of Andy Lau and have been listening to him all day. He's also a singer, in addition to being an actor. He is. Boy, <laughs> is he ever, Pete? <laughs> it's Andy kind of Lau. bananas how much of a singer he is. Yeah, he is. He is one of what they call the four heavenly kings of Canton pop. Uh, which was a big thing uh, back in the 90s, I believe, um, when they just kept winning award after award. Lau 
is actually in the Guinness Book of World Records for the most awards won by a Canton Pop male artist. By April 2000, he had already won a total of un- an unprecedented amount of 292 awards. That was by April 2000. I don't even know <laughs> where he is now. Um, not only that, man, but he has been working his butt off in the film industry since he's, he started in 82. He's been doing an average of 4.6 movies a year. 87 credits as an actor. No, it's it's way more than that. <laughs> it's like I counted a, a list uh, and maybe that some of these are just, uh, you know, yeah, movies that came out not, only I'm in sure Hong Kong. Not on, yeah, on, not yeah. on IMDb. 158 is what I counted. That was just movies. That wasn't TV shows or anything else. Yeah, he is wow. just like nonstop. Now, Tony Leung is also a uh, Canton pop singer, but he is not one of the four heavenly kings. He is actually not a Canton pop singer. He is a C-pop singer. Oh, is that not the same thing? It is not. A C-pop singer is a Chinese popular music music singer. But not but not Canton, Canton pop. pop, yeah. Because, but Canton pop, Canto pop is a subgenre of C pop. There are it, three uh, genres of C pop. There's Canto pop, Mando pop, and Taiwanese pop. Right. So, so he's just a C pop. He's not a member of the mini pops. I, I guess that they don't list him as one of the more specific <laughs> subgenres of C pop. Andy, we must get to the bottom of this. <laughs> we must. We must. <laughs> Oh, my. Anyway, so go on. Yes, this movie is full of singers, Pete. Full of them. Chalk full of them. Uh, well, we uh, these two and the women, all of the women. Kelly Chen, she's a Hong Kong Canton pop singer and actress. She's the diva of Asia. Sammy Chang is a Hong Kong Canton pop singer and actress. And Elva Xiao is a Taiwanese singer. Wow. They like their singers in, the, in this film for some they, reason. They certainly do. And and none of that detracts from the fact that they deliver fantastic performances, can I just say. Fantastic. Absolutely. Absolutely. Back to these two guys that we keep talking about, Andy Lau and Tony Leung. They uh, they play the counter moles. Um, and uh, as I mentioned before, so much of what it goes on on screen is determined by their performance. And I found myself a little bit mystified for it, from it because... As with many of the other films we we have talked about the that come from the Asian come from Asia, um, the actors in this film emote very differently than uh, Western actors, and so sometimes it's hard to see what am I supposed to be feeling alongside this actor right now, right? They are stoic. I'm thinking in particular when um, uh, when Tony. Uh, is he comes out of the building after he and his boss are escaping the thugs that are storming the building after and their, just, their secret we should meeting. say Tony is the is the cop who has infiltrated the as the mole in yeah. the in the gang yeah as he walks he's he runs out he gets in the car they drive around to the front he gets in the cab and the cab pulls around the front and he gets out of the cab and starts walking into the door right as his boss falls 22 stories uh, onto the car his head oriented so it's upside down but facing uh, Tony and the look on his face is um, it, it's at first it's so stoic he, he could be thrilled he could you you don't know you don't know what he's feeling well I think what uh, I, I think we saw a lot of that when we talked about in the mood for love you know he has that same presence in in the films and uh, I I really enjoy watching 
Tony on screen. I think that he does have a lot of that kind of subtext that you can read in his expressions and you don't, he doesn't have to say it. You can just kind of glean a lot from just looking at him. Yeah, absolutely. Which works great for a character who's a mole who has to hide so much inside. Yeah. Well, and it works great for both of these guys, Lao and and Leong, because both of them are, are, you know, existing in this weird uh, break in in their own sort of morality time. They've both made choices to, you know, they've they've made their team choices and they now have to figure out a way how they're going to to live with those choices because at first when we when we are introduced to these characters, we get to see them as young people and they are they're really not yet choosing a lifestyle, they're choosing an ideology. And at some point that ideology turns into a lifestyle and that's where we pick up for the balance of the film as they have to make these choices and we see um, Hans Mo uh, Lau, who is promoted from being just an, an inspector to actually working in internal affairs. He's the mole, and he's working in internal affairs to sniff out the mole. Uh, and we see Leung as the as the cop in the gang, and he is essentially promoted. He's the guy I trust the most, says the, the gang boss. So both of these guys excel in their fake jobs, uh, and they are regarded highly in their fake jobs, and they start you you are forced to question uh, what is the purpose of a mole? Uh, what is our purpose in making these choices at all? And nowhere is that, I think, more apparent than when you see uh, both teams across the long table. At, at the end of the first sequence, the big cocaine bust, where we actually see uh, um, Hans Triad and all of his guys behind him, and we see uh, the chief inspector, or Superintendent Long, and all of his guys behind him, and they are they are they are first make each other aware that they have moles in their respective teams. Um, they were interchangeable at that point. Uh, so I really like how they how they portray these two sort of sets of characters, and I think it it's uh, it, it, it again it's I think less than the departed uh, or, or more than the departed. It it wears some of these morality questions right on its sleeve. Yeah, yeah, and I think. Um... Uh, I think these are the actors to do it. I mean, I could really watch these two actors just in uh, in just scene after scene. They both play it so well, and they both work really well together. Who else uh, jumps out at you? We've already talked about the uh, the the three women and the incredibly underwritten roles that were developed for them. Uh, who else strikes you in the cast that you want to talk about? Anthony Wong, Superintendent Wong. Yep. He is uh, he is uh, perhaps best known in the West for his roles in the 1992 action film Hard Boiled. Yes, and indeed. as he was General Yang in the Mummy Tomb of the Dragon Emperor. That was not the best Mummy movie. <laughs> I didn't even see it, but uh, I you know what I respect that they tried to do something different. Yes, yes. So I give them that heartily. <laughs> back to this movie <laughs> yes but i mean i but i really liked anthony wong i i thought that he brought that uh that um presence of being the one guy who really is kind of the friend to uh to tony lung's character i i liked that uh you know that moment where he gives him the watch i i thought that there were some some touching uh elements to this friendship that they had and it was kind of really uh i think that helped a lot when he died and when you got to see that expression on Tony's face. Okay, and you got to talk more about why that was so crushing when Tony's when when we see Tony recognize 
that his boss has just fallen and died. Well, I think the big thing is the fact that his boss is the only one who knows that he is actually the mole. And so now there's really kind of other than this locked file that no one can access, nobody knows that he's a cop. Yeah, that's not good for him. (laughs) That really sucks. Really sucks for him. (sighs) Yeah. Eric Tseng is Han Sam, the triad boss. Oh, yes. Yeah. Another entertainment king. (laughs) They really, yeah. This is like, it's like uh, 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 Richard Attenborough in Jurassic Park. That's what it, that's what this is like. It's like Richard Dawson. Richard Dawson, you're right. Totally is like Richard Dawson from Running Man Damon because Eric Killian. Tang, Eric Tang is also a TV host in Hong Kong, China and Taiwan, best known for hosting the variety show Super Trio series. And, that's so uh, good. So it's like, you know, having having the TV show host as as the as the villain. Yeah, he was uh, I thought he actually did a great job and and especially if you, you if you do know that he's a game show host, uh <laughs> man, he did a great job. And Jeez. I I will say I was a little concerned. I'm like am I going to really be comparing him to Jack Nicholson this whole time because Jack Nicholson brings, you know, a totally different thing to that character, especially as he's kind of, you know, the um whitey whitey bulger. Yeah, bulger. Right. Right, Bulger, Bulger. Well, because then that that was uh, that was a history that they infused on the story, right? In, but in it it, it, right. it did give Nicholson uh, a level of crazy to play, which yeah. you know we already know he likes playing those levels of crazy. But Eric, I thought, really brought his own to it, and I really enjoyed watching him as this mob boss. The but- scene where he's eating the food, and all the cops are sitting around there, and he just knows he's so smug, he knows he's going to get out, and he's got that great confrontation uh, with Anthony Wong's character, and then he like knocks all the food off. I mean, I, I just totally dug him. You know what's funny is that he, he did. He struck me as crazy, but it was appropriately crazy, and it was more just a, a fit of, of just, I can't believe I'm surrounded by idiots, right? That was the, <laughs> that was the experience that I had watching him. It was because he didn't, he didn't bring a maniacal crazy. He brought kind of a business crazy, you know? He was just like, he just knew that this is the, how the way, this is the way his business works. He and never had to bring out a giant dildo. He never, he never did that. Yes. Uh, he wasn't nearly as crazy as you know the the guys that came in from Thailand were in this movie with the cigars in the beginning. Uh. Those guys looked crazy. Yes. All right. Uh, anybody else jump out at you in the cast that you really want to talk about it? For me, the 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 top four characters on here um, really dominate the film for me. Um, and and I I didn't notice as much. There was one of the goons particularly the sequence where the two goons are talking, and I, I get all their names crazy. I think this may have been Crazy Kung. Um, yep. Where About they're, the cops? Yes, they're, they're, everyone's cops. Yeah. They're all cops. Crazy and uh, crazy and another one. Yeah, he says uh, if, if, they're, if they're looking at you, but they're pretending to be doing something else, they're cops. And then they look around. I thought this was such a brilliant comic moment. They look around, and everybody in the neighborhood is doing something else and looking at them. And all they're doing is sitting there. Uh, and he says, see, man, they're all cops. They're all cops. I thought that was a riot. Especially because he ends up being a cop. Exactly. So, the, you know what? I think it's important. As dumb as I think the English translation is of this thing, I actually think the title Avicii is probably worth 
um, at least looking at a little bit because this is it's kind of a, a throwaway line to say it's the lowest level of hell in Buddhism. Chinese Chinese filmmakers rarely do throwaway things. No, they don't really throw so, things away. So what does and it I, mean? Well, I think what what is fascinating about Avicii is that uh, there are these acts that a person has to commit in order to end up at this this level of hell where it's eternal eternal torture, basically. In order to get there, you generally have to commit one or more of the five grave offenses. All right, give me number one. Number one, intentionally murdering one's father. Okay. Did that number, happen did that happen in the film? Well, it, it, number two, intentionally murdering one's mother. You know, you could look at it, Pete, as if these two characters, and the title is referring to our two heroes, if you can call them heroes, our two main characters, as if they um, are living this eternal hell, right? As they live the life of a mole. Mm -hmm. You could say, Pete, that these two characters have, have, in a way, metaphorically had to kill their parents as they take up a false life. And the, the the parents being, I'm looking at this as sort of the masculine, feminine, good versus evil, like the the parents of uh, being, I have forsaken my life as doing good as a police officer. I have forsaken my life as a and uh, as a criminal. Right. Um, right. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. What's number three? Killing an arhat or an enlightened being. Okay. Fall from grace. Uh, his boss. Fall. Yeah. Uh, and and number Wong. four, shedding the blood of a Buddha. Oh, I mean, also kind that? of. I, well, it could also be his boss. It could be. It could be his their cohorts. Uh, you know, I don't know uh, who it could be. Number five, creating a schism within the sangha or the community of Buddhist monks and nuns who try to attain enlightenment or well, eternal happiness. This whole movie is about that. Yeah, it really is this schism within you know two groups who are basically trying to achieve their highest level, right? Well, the schism is the humanity, the giant cleft in humanity that has become organized crime. Wow, D uh, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. I think I think there's something interesting about the way that this title uh, plays here. Man, once again, wordplay combined combining law enforcement with an adjective, so dumb. English man just ruins things. All right, uh, I like this. I like this way better. Me too. Much, 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 much better. What else do we need to uh, talk about uh, in this uh, on this film? Anything before we jump into uh, Chang Kwang Wing? Well, we should music? talk. Uh, no, I don't think so. I think uh, well, and the super awesome song that I already brought up. The super awesome song. The yeah. theme song. Internal affairs. Infernal affairs. That's why, because of adjectives. <laughs> adjectives curse you. Why? Why do you? Uh, why do you like this song so much? And no, I memorized it yet. It's just. I just. Uh, being a little sarcastic there. It's. Uh, you know. It. It strikes me as a very kind of typical song. Um, to expect from this. Uh, when I hear these sorts of songs, when I hear end credit songs in uh, uh, like movies it, it, these hong kong films they have the same sort of sound to them they don't uh, they don't generally live up to the um live up to the films at least not to my ears yeah well and this one have we already said that there it is sung by these two guys Andy oh yes. and tony we talked about that already we All talked right. about it being a uh a not a duet it's a cantonese and mandarin simultaneously <laughs> like co performance right kendo mando pop <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. 
Now, this this film is in. Uh, it, it was there were two sequels, direct sequels. Well, yeah, I don't know if you can call them sequels. They're actually prequels. I haven't seen them. Or I haven't seen them. I don't know what they are, but they have a two and a three after them. So I'm. I, that's where I assume a sequel. Infernal Affairs Two. It's the prequel, and uh, Chan. Uh, has just become an undercover cop in the triads while Lau joins the police force. Both the triads and the police find an enemy and a rival crime boss. Revenge of the triads. So that's number two. Okay. Number three, months after the events of the original film, Ming suspects a police superintendent as being a new mole for the triads. While years earlier, Yan embarks on his first mission. So that one's a little bit before and after. Wow. Yeah. Crazy. But it's all the same people. It's all the same people telling the same story and within the same universe, the same timeline. Yeah, although the That's second one is a prequel, the third one kind of splits across kind of being a prequel and a mm-hmm. sequel. All right. I, yeah. I haven't seen either, obviously. I mean, I hadn't even seen this first one. But I will say, I did enjoy this so much. I'm really curious to see how two and three play out. So I, I, I may add those to my list. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, I want to see this, particularly as a part of this series. Uh, and because this was made, uh, obviously, into Scorsese, uh, made this into The Departed. Which, you know, is fantastic, but I did find it really interesting that it actually had other remakes as well. Where and when? Uh, in Korea, in 2009, they made a, a version called City of Damnation. And also, there was a Telugu version in 2009 called Homan. And in 2012, Japanese TV had a version called Double Face. Was that starring Ryan Reynolds? <laughs> Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, well. So now we need to see all of them. That's the next series, is just take Infernal Affairs and watch every single remake reboot. That's what it's going to be. It will be crazy. Mm-hmm. How'd it crazy. do? Um, well, this film did uh, really well for itself. This is film, it, uh, well, uh, um, Jesus. Say it like you mean it, Andy. Woo! This film not only uh, did really well in awards, it it did well for itself financially. This film, um, you know, it's one of those things where it just, uh, you know, certain types of films end up doing really well in certain markets. And this film, uh, the Hong Kong Film Awards, it uh, had quite a lot of uh, nominations. Um, Best film, it won best film. Best director, it won for the two directors. Best screenplay, it won for, or it was, uh, yeah, won for best screenplay, best actor. Uh, Tony Leung and Andy Lau was nominated. Anthony Wong won for best supporting actor, and Eric Tsang and Chapman Toe were both uh, nominated. Um, best cinematography, it was nominated. Best film editing, it won. Best costume design, action choreography, which is a fantastic thing that they actually have as a nomination over there. Uh, it was nominated. Best score, it was nominated. Best original song, it won. Nice. <laughs> best sound design and best visual effects, it was nominated. So this film really, really did well. And that's just at the Hong Kong Film Awards. I mean, it... Uh, you know, it pretty much uh, did really well for itself. And, you know, I got to say, Tony Leung, who did win, I mean, this is a guy who I think this is his 14th nomination, and it's his one, two, three, four, five, six, seventh uh, win as either actor or supporting actor. So he's a, he's a popular guy over there. Mm. Nice work. You can get it. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And this film, I mean, while not super high on our list, it still did well for itself. 
uh, from what I could find, it's a little tricky trying to convert, you know, from Hong Kong currency to U.S. and all that. But I think I got it. I found that its budget was about just under six and a half million, which in today's dollars is about eight point three million. It ended up grossing uh, here not a lot of money in the U.S. About one hundred seventy thousand dollars, which is pretty pretty small. <laughs> I mean, Crazy. it's almost embarrassing, but internationally it was about eight and a half million. So it uh, it did a nice chunk of change for itself internationally, considering it was just a you know Hong Kong film, and that's that's about eleven million um, adjusted, which ended up making it an adjusted profit per finish minute of about thirty thousand. So uh, I think that's probably considered a huge win for a Hong Kong film. Doesn't really compete. It doesn't. No, it it doesn't compete on our spreadsheet. But I think if we put a spreadsheet together of you know some of the top films from Hong Kong, it probably is doing pretty well for itself. If you look at something like Bong Joon Ho's The Host, that was also a huge success, uh, but more in Korea than internationally. But Mm -hmm. still, as far as the the film in context of their market, huge success. I think we should probably rank it. Let's do it. Head over to FlickChart.com, everybody. And if you haven't experienced FlickChart, uh, it's a great place for you to go and rank your movies. It's a gut trigger, hair trigger. uh, What does your instinct tell you right now? Which movie do you want to watch side by side with some other random movie? You get to pick. That's what we do. We build our list. You then build your list and you compare them and you send us notes in class tomorrow and we'll see uh, how we did together. It'll be just like we're dating. All right, Pete, first up, <laughs> it's our usual Infernal Affairs or Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? I got to tell you, on principle, just to get us over this hump, I'm tempted to say uh, Infernal Affairs. I'm probably not going to, but I'm tempted. I'm tempted as well, but I am going to pick Oh Brother. All right. And you are too, I'm guessing. Yeah. yeah. All right. But I'm getting tired of it. I'm getting tired uh, of it there. I know. It's this It's this uh, hump that we just can't get over. Infernal Affairs of the Sandlot. Oh, Infernal Affairs. Yeah. Just for the looks of their eyes, man. Infernal Affairs of the Roaring Twenties. Infernal Affairs. Infernal Affairs. Infernal Affairs or A League of Their Own. Infernal Affairs. There's no crying in China. <laughs> Sometimes it works. Sometimes it does not. <laughs> it does. Yeah. I'm doing a league of their own. Uh, okay. Let's do it. Okay. One. One. Two. Two. Three. three paper. Scissors. Oh, man. Sorry. Infernal Affairs or Syriana? I'll do oh. Syriana. Yeah, I think I will too. Infernal Affairs or The Verdict? Oh, this Infernal is, this Affairs. Is, I swear, this is totally repeating last week. I know, and it's Infernal Affairs is the answer. I'm going to agree with you. Infernal Affairs or Field of Dreams? Infernal Affairs. Field of Dreams. <laughs> One. <laughs> One, two, two three, three, rock. rock. <laughs> <laughs> One, two, three, rock. rock. Ooh. <laughs> One, One, two, two three, scissors. Rock. <laughs> Man. All right. Infernal. That's it. Infernal Affairs. Number 137. Stolen. Chart. 
stolen <laughs> from old two by four. You stolen. were robbed. You were robbed, man. Mm. I can't wait till we have Kevin Costner on this show. <laughs> I think. So I you know we, Kevin. I think we both know how that conversation's gonna go. Pete's got a nickname for you. <laughs> Old two by four, because you hit it out of the park every time with the with the wood. Oh, what is our three? What does this do for our star rating? How did this end up for you on over on letterbox.com? I I I think that I'm at a four star for this one. I am definitely a four star lock on this one. This was a great movie. Perfect. Yeah. That makes it easy to average. <laughs> you want to <laughs> write it down or? I like that. I yeah. like easy. That's good. That's good. Uh, so where where did we go uh, from here after uh, after this one? This is, we're going to be doing our our next uh, pairing. If people couldn't figure it out already, <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're going to be watching uh, the uh, the Viet, or the uh, Korean <laughs> 2009 film <laughs> City of Damnation. <laughs> I already have the Telugu Homan. There you go. No, we are going to talk about Martin Scorsese's The Departed. It will be wrapping up our movies and the remake series, which was kind of fun. It was fun to kind of uh, check out these different iterations of the same story. Well, I'm glad you found it kind of fun. And uh, we'll see how at the end of next week if it's still kind of fun. But this was, uh, this was, I think, a series that I sort of latched on to early on. I've been excited to do this. And so I think it's uh, I'm, I'm glad to wrap it up next week. And see, maybe we'll revisit this another time. Yeah, I think what I like about it so much is that, uh, you know, we find even if one of the iterations of the story may not work as well, there's another version out there. Thank <laughs> goodness. In Telugu. Thank <laughs> goodness. Uh, there, you know, we've got another thing coming up uh, next week. Oh, yes. Right, have you heard of this thing, uh, filmumentaries? Have you heard of this? I love watching filmumentaries. Why, why do you like them so much? It's kind of, you know, I, I'm one of those people who really enjoys listening to director's commentaries. I think it's really interesting to kind of get that uh, that insider's perspective. What I love about the uh, filmumentaries is it t- almost takes that to a different level where you're watching the movie, but you're getting lots of, uh, it's, it's kind of like pop-up video mixed with director's commentaries mixed with documentaries about a film. And the way you kind of blend all of that together as you watch a movie the way that it comes together uh, when uh, this guy who we're going to be talking to makes these filmumentaries, I just, I kind of find magical and I have a hard time uh, turning them off. I could not agree more. And that's why I am also so excited that our shorts for next week is, it goes behind to behind the guy behind filmumentaries, uh, Jamie Benning. We uh, had a fantastic conversation with Jamie and that'll be coming out on shorts next week. So. Be on the lookout for that. And before, because because it's a conversation about filmumentaries, you should go check out a filmumentary. So head over to filmumentaries.com and, uh, and and watch a little bit. If you've never heard of them or you've never seen what one of these are, um, if, you, if you have any interest in this show, you will love what Jamie does uh, with filmumentaries. And he is so uh, kind and cordial and uh, uh, really great conversation. So that's coming. Can't wait. There you go. I gotta go to bed. All right, man. I'm gonna head to the theater to meet up with our boss man and get the goods to track down the mole who's been working to take us down.
Amazon giveth, Andy. Amazon giveth. What's interesting is that I am choosing my Amazon review, and I also <laughs> happen to have a similar thought. I, I wasn't, I mean, I'm flexible, but I had a similar <laughs> thought. <laughs> More flexible than your reviewer. Fornance Benevolent Society writes on Infernal, uh, Infernal Affairs. This is from February 23rd, 2005. If you're a martial arts fan like myself and you expect to see martial arts action in this movie, you will be very disappointed. There is zero martial arts scenes in this movie. The plot of the movie is very good. There is a lot of suspense and drama as the moles from each side, gang, cop, attempt to uncover each other. Most of us in the States buy Hong Kong flicks for the excellent fight scenes, so I don't need to buy a Hong Kong flick for suspense and drama with no fight scenes. Movies like these are a dime a dozen in America. <laughs> I think this movie is the exception and not the rule. Sorry. Wow. Talk about someone who's really pinned his parts of the world to really? specific genres. Oh my goodness. Hong Kong? Martial arts. That's all. <laughs> just a lot of people just walking down the street fighting each other. <laughs> if it's a drama, I've you, got enough of that. You want to get some coffee? Let's fight our way down the street to get some coffee. <laughs> it's awesome. Oh Anyhow, no, I, uh, I, 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 uh, there we go. Fornance Benevolent Society. The plot was good, but it was still a two-star movie because of martial arts disappointment. What is yours? Mine is a three-star. It says, nice cover <laughs> by Epsilon Delta. I don't know if it's a sorority, a fraternity, or somebody who just likes Greek letters. Uh, Epsilon says, first of all, I have to say something about the cover of this DVD. The girl is never in the movie. But to attract buyer to buy this DVD, she is shown on the DVD cover. So we are having fake covers now. That's just fantastic. <laughs> For the movie itself, it is about being undercovers in the police and in the gangster world. They call it the eternal hell. What does the title Infernal Affairs mean? Well, big deal. We all choose our life and live with it. Don't like it? We don't have to live like that. We have choices. No need to be an undercover. And then complain that it is an internal hell. Wow. Yeah. No. From from embed to mole to undercover. Indeed. Thank you, Amazon. I've been podcasting since 2006. In that time, I've tried countless hosting platforms. But in August 2022... We switched to Transistor to power all of our shows here at True Story FM, and it's been a game changer. I love the Transistor allows unlimited podcasts and storage without extra charges. We can publish so much content, and we do. If you want to start up a podcast, do yourself a favor and host your show on Transistor. With their one-click publishing, you can get your new show onto all the major podcast directories effortlessly. And their website builder lets you quickly build custom sites for each show. The detailed analytics are invaluable, too. You can access all kinds of listener data anytime. Oh, and the versatile players allow you to embed episodes anywhere to reach new listeners. Plus, the team behind Transistor is super responsive and keeps making the platform even better. After using countless hosting services over 15 plus years, Transistor has been hands down the best podcast partner for us. If you want a hosting platform to take all the worry out of getting your podcast out into the world, go to thenextreel.com slash transistor and check it out. Support our show and support your own show by going to thenextreel.com slash transistor. Start growing your podcast today.